That is such a wonderful, wonderful song. Now that guitar there, uh, Brother Hale might have been playing in the background, but that was a fellow called Hoyt Castle. A wonderful guitar player. Played, uh, well, all the songs on Ferdy's tape. And uh, we just, just wonder how the Lord's dealing with him. If he still has him, uh, well, we just don't know. We just uh, ask the Lord's blessing, mercy, have mercy upon him. But anyhow, uh, mercy bestowed on a lost, guilty sinner. Well, what a great line. See, it says when that sinner faces reality, we, you see, this, this so lost, guilty sinner can be anyone any person anywhere in the world because they're all lost and guilty. Here's the punchline. When that sinner faces reality, when the Lord shows the sinner their need of Christ, shows them that they're guilty, shows them that his law has been broken, and that's why it says justice declares because of God's law, said soul that sinner that shall die. Hey, I'll keep him forever. He'll punish, be punished forever. But then mercy, ah, there comes the Lord Jesus Christ on the scene as a sinner's substitute, as God's acceptable sacrifice. Let that sinner go free. He believes in my son, the Lord Jesus. That's it. I've punished one in his place, and that's all. So that's why I, 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 this is a great song. Just, just, just great, a Bible lesson as you'll ever have. In fact, I said the first four lines in the beginning, the father elected, son became a curse on the tree. You'd see, the father was back, and the son was back there in the beginning too. And uh, he loved the elect ones just as much as the father did. But he knew they were going to be part of Adam's race, and they knew that Adam was going to sin, and that... Uh, Adam's race was going to be doomed to hell because they were all sinners, but these these that the Father set his love upon, the elected ones, the Lord Jesus said, well, I'll become one of them in order to pay their sin debt because uh, we're going to make a rule here that sin can only be uh, forgiven or, or put aside by a payment, by blood, sinless, spotless blood. Who'd ever come up with that? Nobody in this world would ever come up with a remedy like that. This is God's plan. God's plan of salvation is that sinless, spotless blood can pay a sin debt, can pay for sin. But then, wow, it being God's blood, it being infinite blood, it can pay for everyone that the Father elected in the beginning. Wow, what a Bible lesson right there. And then this Holy Spirit called and convicted. You see, he's the third person of the Godhead. He's got a great work to do, too. He's got to convict a person, got to quicken them. And then the dirtiest part of the job is to have to indwell sinners. Can you imagine? God's Holy Spirit, God who hates sin, indwells the sinner. And he needs to in order to guide us through this wilderness. We're still sinners. We'll always be sinners. But how desperately we need God's Spirit for guidance every single moment of the day. 
All right. Uh, we're going to try to uh, finish our message that we started this morning. We had read over in uh, Song of Solomon. We'll read it again. Let's go to Song of Solomon 5, just to read that one verse. Song of Solomon 5. Verse 10. This is the church. This is you and me. This is uh, anyone searching for the Lord Jesus Christ that knows Him. See, you'd have to know Him to know this description. My beloved is white and ruddy, the chiefest among 10,000. He's white in His purity and His holiness. He's ruddy in His blood, the payment for our sin debt. What a wonderful, wonderful God we have. Let's bow our heads. Father, we again ask thy blessing upon talking about this scripture. Our Lord Jesus Christ being white and ruddy. Give us the words. We haven't got any normal, natural wisdom. We ask spiritual wisdom to teach, to read, to understand. We ask in the name of our Lord Jesus. Amen. Well, we covered uh, the first part this morning about the white part, about him being pure, about him being innocent, about him being loving. And then we started uh, and didn't finish about him being ruddy. Speaks about his perfect sufferings as the sinless Lamb of God. And I think the last scripture we had read may not have even got on the tape so uh, we want to say, let's look at him in Gethsemane, sweating great drops of blood. That's Luke 22, verse 44. In Luke 22:44, there's another verse just above it, verse 43. And it says, there appeared an angel unto him from heaven, strengthening him. Now, is this encouraging to the Lord Jesus Christ, or is it uh, is it some more of his um, being humbled? You see, this angel is his creation. Angels obey God. It was angels that had to sing praises when he was born in Bethlehem. They are the servants of God. And it says, There appeared an angel in from heaven, strengthening him. It's just mysterious. But verse 44 says, And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was as it were great drops of blood falling to the ground. Now, sweat just doesn't happen in one place of your body. When you sweat, generally, you sweat all over. You sweat in your, your arms, your hands, your chest, your stomach, your back, your face. Uh, I don't know where all the blood came from. But if it was sweat, and it was his sweat, and it was great drops of blood, they, his body was just pouring out blood from all over. You know how it is when you sweat. 
you just can't stop it. But usually, well, a lot of times you might just sweat in your forehead or your face or your head. But uh, it said, uh, well, it's not telling us what part of his body, but it's very possible it was his whole body. And uh, you must remember that this was a cold night. This was the same night that when Peter followed him into the uh, palace area there that they were warming themselves around uh, bonfires that they had set up. I can think of, uh, I know they didn't have 55-gallon drum barrels to put wood in or whatever and make fires, but that's how I picture them around a fire is around a 55-gallon drum. But uh, it, that's got to be impossible, so I don't know what they contained the fire in. But this was a cold night, and still he was sweating, and then he was sweating great drops of blood. So then in the judgment hall, what a parade of mockery, shame, and abuse. But our Lord knew that this was coming, Look at Isaiah 50 and verse 6. Isaiah 50 and verse 6. I gave my back to the smiters and my cheeks to them that plucked off the hair and I hid not my face from shame and spitting. Who in the world would ever think that mankind is so low and so beastly as to do that to our God and Creator. Now we know that Pilate over and over again said, I find no fault in this man. He's innocent. I find no fault in him. He says it over and over. Even his wife tells him, I have nothing to do with this man. He's He's innocent. But Pilate being a chicken, Pilate being yellow backboned, afraid of the people. And then they told him, hey, we're going to report you to Caesar because this man says he's a king and we have no king but Caesar. So he has him beaten. He has him beaten with a whip. You and I can't picture this. Take off a shirt, barebacked, lashes going not just on the back but around into the stomach and chest area, cutting, slashing, beating. I don't know how many they say it was 39 lashes. Paul mentions that time and again. But he knew it was going to happen. I gave my back to the smiters. That's just a little of the suffering that our Lord Jesus Christ did for us because he suffered all of his life for us, keeping the law perfectly, being made fun of. And of course, Scripture in Isaiah 53 tells us, despised of men. Uh, it, it, it's just, he did all of this for sinners like you and me. And in spite of knowing the torture and abuse, he had inward joy in suffering. Wow. 
Look at Hebrews 12 and verse 2. Hebrews 12 and verse 2. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. What do you mean, the author? Well, if he doesn't give you faith, you never will believe in him. So if you have faith, you're blessed of all people. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy... Did you get that? Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross? You see, this beating with the whip and this spitting on and all that took place before the cross and on the cross. He endured the cross because he was joyful inside for sinners like you and I, despising the shame while he hung there naked and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. There's his exaltation. Our Lord Jesus Christ was humbled, was beaten, tortured, died. And now we find him at the right hand of the throne of God, exalted. The suffering is over. When he said it is finished, he meant the plan of God in bringing all of the elect through without a hitch. So the Holy Spirit's still working, saving sinners. And when that last sinner is saved, it'll probably be the end of this dispensation. But others have said the same thing and looked for the same thing, and they've lived and died. So are we going to be alive when he comes back? Who knows? Uh, can't lose. If we're alive, we're changed on a spot. If we die, we go to be with him. Then to come back and get our new body. But it wasn't just men involved in the death of Christ, but God the Father's hand was in this. Look at Luke 22, verse 42. Luke 22:42. Our Lord says, Father, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will... But thine be done. What was the Father's will? Well, he had to be crucified. He had to be crucified. Well, I said the, the Father's hand was in it. Well, more than that, it was the Father's plan. Look at Isaiah 53 and verse 10. Isaiah 53, 10. says, Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief. And when thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed, he shall prolong his days, the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Wow. God knew all about it. God planned it. I think there's a verse over there in the book of Acts that tells us it was, uh, let me see if I can find that real quick. Uh, Acts... uh, Okay, Acts um, uh, chapter 2 and verse 23. Acts 2, 23. 
him being delivered by the determined counsel and foreknowledge of God. All right, he was in the Garden of Gethsemane. Judas had gathered up a band to come get him. Could our Lord have escaped? Of course he could have. That wasn't the Father's will. Him being delivered by the determined counsel and foreknowledge of God, everything planned to the minute. But who did it? You see, even though God knew, had foreknowledge of the, all the incidents, ye have taken and by wicked hands have crucified and slain. Man's responsibility runs right along with God's, God's ordination and, and knowledge. It's so difficult sometimes to, to wonder about man's responsibility and God's sovereignty. But nowhere in the Bible does it ever take away from the responsibility of man in hearing. In hearing and in reading. With the Bible available, particularly in this country, there is nobody without excuse. Oh, I know there's a lot of Bibles that aren't real Bibles out there. They're just, they call it a Bible and they're an imitation. They're a, uh, uh, not, a, not a translation of the King James. They're just a, a mutilation of the King James Bible. But uh, God makes sure that his people get the right book, get the right message, and that God's Spirit works their hearts. Now, some folks can read the Bible through and through and through, but if God doesn't make it real to their heart, they'll never understand things. They don't understand the simplest doctrines in the Bible. Doctrine is very important. In fact, when Paul is telling Timothy about learning to be a preacher, let's see, he tells him uh, uh, in 2 Timothy 3, in verse 16, see, Timothy was a good preacher. Timothy was saved under the ministry of Paul, but Timothy also had a believing grandmother and a believing mother. Now, it says his father was a Greek, and it doesn't say anything more in the Bible about his father than that. That was it. His father was a Greek. But his mother was a believer, and so was his grandmother, and Timothy also... And when Paul gives him instructions about preaching, he says, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, there's number one, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Well, he doesn't say anything about uh, just flat telling people to keep the law and to be good to one another and uh, it's important for people to learn doctrine and people don't like it. When the doctrine has to do with the, their depraved nature, see the total depravity of the human heart is one of the fundamental doctrines of God's word. The sovereignty of God comes first and then the depravity of the human heart. And then there's uh, God's election. And then there's uh, work of the Holy Spirit. 
there's the second coming of the Lord Jesus. These are things that uh, they don't like to touch on too much. There's doctrines of heaven and hell. God's wrath against sin. These are kind of uh, all doctrines in themselves. You have to learn that from the Bible. But you and I know that's not the popular thing. Uh, let me see where we are here. Now, our Lord Jesus Christ being ruddy in his blood. Yet why? Why should he die? Who really gets the blame for Christ dying on the cross? Well, I'm to blame. He died to pay my eternal sin debt. And before any sinner comes to Christ for salvation, the Holy Spirit shows that sinner that the only way their sin can be forgiven is by a payment of pure, sinless blood that God will accept. Then the sinner sees that the blood of Christ washes whiter than snow. He or she sees that because of their sin, the Lord Jesus had to suffer, bleed, and die. He came to save lost sinners. That's very pronounced in Luke 19.10. He came to give eternal life. Now, our Lord Jesus Christ is the only one that gives eternal life. If he paid the debt to give us eternal life, then he has a prerogative of giving it to the sinner he died for. That's a John 10:28. Now, John 10 is a very, very wonderful chapter. Verse 27 should be read along with 28 any time you read it. Because our Lord Jesus Christ says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Sheep. We are sheep. We know his voice. What is his voice? Well, we read about him in the scriptures, and it's as if he's talking to us. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. How wonderful, how great that is. Now he came to give his life a ransom for many. And uh, he tells you that in plain, ordinary words in Mark 10, verse 45. Mark 10, 45 For even the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. He didn't give his life at all for himself. He didn't keep the law for himself. He had no sin. Everything he did was for sinners like you and I. Those who he will, in their life frame, quicken by his spirit, teach their hearts, draw them to himself. Our Lord says, no man cometh to me but the Father, draw him. Well, the Father's method of drawing is to let the Holy Spirit do the work. 
It's the Holy Spirit that quickens. It's the Holy Spirit that reveals Christ to the human heart. Some folks think, well, you know, if I pray that God has to do this, or if I ask for mercy, he's got to do it right away. God's in no hurry. God's under no uh, time clock for any one sinner. But everything will be done in exactly the time that God has planned for it. And an awakened sinner coming to the Lord Jesus seems as if they would never get there. Time drags something horrible. You think, will he ever, ever save me? Will he ever be revealed to my heart? And then, alas, that day comes and you're so surprised. And it happens and then, whew, some years later you can look back and say, man, that was a good many years ago, Lord save me. I, it doesn't seem like it was that difficult. Uh, you just ask any awakened sinner, is it difficult? When you know you're helpless, you're hopeless, and you're so full of sin, you've, you're, your conscience is always kicking up on you, letting you know just how bad you've been through all the... You don't look to yourself. The scripture says, look unto me, be ye saved. You look to what the Lord Jesus Christ has done. And when you can look to him and believe him, that's going to be when he saves you. He came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. That's what Paul says. So you see how my beloved is white and ruddy. In perfect purity and obedience, he kept the law perfectly. And then as a perfect person, suffered without the gate as the sacrificial lamb of God. Why did the Jews have all these ceremonial uh, feasts and sacrifices? Because they all pointed to the Lord Jesus Christ. Without shedding of blood, there was no forgiveness of sin, no remission of sin. Down through the always had to kill something for blood, but none of that blood would save a sinner. It just pointed to the perfect, sinless, holy blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. He was white, perfectly innocent, ruddy. He was soaked in his own blood. That blood shed for sinners like you and me. Let's bow our heads. Father, we thank you, praise you for thy goodness, mercy, grace, thy word, our lives. We don't know why you keep us here. Are we going to be any good to anybody? We just ask Thee to teach our hearts each day. We're not to be a plant that never grows. We're to bear fruit. And as we get older, we're finding out we are still learning. Still learning an awful lesson about our depravity because that never goes away. We see... We're only a bigger sinner every day. But the mercy of the Lord Jesus Christ grows in proportion. Thy mercy is wonderful. We acknowledge our Lord Jesus Christ is our all in all, our hope in this life and in the life to come. And we pray for those that are here and those who will hear by our message on tape and CD. Give us strength and wisdom to live through these last days. We pray in the name of our Lord Jesus. Amen.